bpip.com. Hey, everyone. I am J.B. Hoovener, and welcome to the Bold Patents Show. We're here uh, every week doing patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets. I'm a patent attorney, and I'm here with Matt Colseth over there, my fellow attorney here at Bold. Matt is our trademark attorney. He's been with us for several years, helping inventors get their businesses started and start thinking about their brands. So, Matt, it's a pleasure to have you as always. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that's awesome to be here, as always. Yes, yes. Oh, for sure. Matt, we're talking summertime. This is part two of our series on summertime innovations. Last week, we took a peek at the solo stove and its knockoff. I'll call it a knockoff. The hot shot. Um, So we're talking camping there. Today, I want to talk about grills, tailgating and grills. Uh You know, um, do you do much grilling? I do. I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. I consider myself a, a... a novice, a novice oh. griller. I've got myself a Weber. And um, like last week, for example, you know, I, I made this steak and it was just smoky. It just tasted smoky. And so yeah. I, I realized I need some lessons. I, you, you can't just put coals in there, throw meat on it and hope it's going to turn out. There has to be more <laughs> to it. Right? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe it is that simple and just sort of watching the temperature. What, what do you do to, to pull things off to make it look, it tastes good? Uh, it depends on it depends on what I'm cooking and where I'm cooking it, right? So at my cabin, we cook over open coals and it's hot, 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 and there's no way to really regulate that temperature. You know, at home here, you put the Traeger, right? It's a little bit more manageable. Okay. But what I like to do, like for like steaks in particular, is that I like to sear them on the grill and then okay. typically finish them in the oven. So that's, that's, okay. my, that's my deal is um, – or another way to do it is, I don't know, do you ever sous vide? I've heard of that. No, I've not done it, but you basically so put it in hot water. sous vide is like water bath cooking, right? So you can like bring a okay. steak up to like 135 and then so it's perfectly like medium rare through. And then like I'll typically hit it like on the hot coals, you know, to finish okay, it. Man. Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. Send me the link to whatever you use. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm going to surprise my family with some of that. Yeah, I just anyway. I, I, so it was so funny too. Weber time. I went out to the back uh, backyard, and I've got I, you know, I could see my neighbors were kind of in suburbia. Three of us all walk out at the same time and start messing with the Weber. It's like wow, it yep. is Weber time. It, it's, it's summer, summertime, so sure. It's like yes, um, they, for some reason I guess I, I imagine they're probably doing better than me in terms of yeah. their outcome. Yeah. It's all right, not for long. I got some good tips from you. Okay, so for today. I have got a really cool bold bite, very related, very related awesome. to summertime and, and grilly, grillish. They would they pitched on July 3rd. It's a company. Anyway, you'll see it. You'll see it. And we're going to do some critiquing of that. And then before we get to that, I want to talk with uh, everyone here and offer a 20-minute a free screening session. If you're a first-time viewer, uh, welcome to our show, by the way. And if you come back and watch us again, but you haven't taken the step, now is your opportunity. Click that link. It's our weekly live link. And for taking action, we're going to give you a copy of this book I published. Uh, second edition, just last year, Bold Ideas and the Inventor's Guide to Patents. It's got lots of cool examples in there, too, uh, about what it means to get things started, how to do a patent search, get educated about the process and the whole thing. So get your copy, take action, and click that link today. Um, and if you happen to be a physician, doctor, health provider, I've got an extra special book. This is the Physician's Guide to Patentable. Physician's Guide to Patents. <laughs> And it's going to be catered to you. I've got a specific example there throughout 
on medical devices, diagnostics, therapies. Awesome. So have a look at that. Um, also, Matt, we've got two questions that came in through the week. I want to get to those first, and then we can jump in on the live. Um, you know, you don't get all those. Yeah, we, we you do. You, and I'm going to put you on the spot first because, you know, I've got some heavy shadows, and I was up early this morning. So um, anyway, and you know, I like to kind of put you on the spot. So this is a Jacksonville, Florida question. So cool. it hopefully preps you a little bit. Um, Florida. I, I have never been to Florida. I need to get to Florida. Florida uh, man, you know? Yeah. You, you been there recently? Uh, we were there last year for Disney World. I had a blast with the kids. Oh, okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah. It's fun. I, I like Florida. Awesome. Okay. So we have, yeah, Disney World. Disneyland might be enough for us. We'll, 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 see. <laughs> yeah. we'll see. World sounds, you know, next level. So here we go. Please replace this upload with a scan of the original language document. What is this? <laughs> is this even a real question? Oh, no. Please replace this upload with a scan of the original language document and a certified English translation. Does it mean the document submitted was not approved or error? Ah, looks like that's yeah. not a very good question. Unless that makes sense to you. Um, well, I mean... There is, we, we, we deal with translations a lot at the USPTO in terms of trademarks, right? And so whenever a client has a trademark that's a foreign language, um, okay. we have to translate it back to English, right? And if you don't submit the translation, the USPTO will give you uh, basically an office action requesting for a translation if they don't do it themselves. So this could be a client asking about uh, foreign translations uh, and how to deal with that. So I can, I can talk to that briefly. So Absolutely. At PTO, there's this, it's called the doctrine of foreign equivalence. That's the fancy word for it, right? Or the fancy term for it, but basically means that everything has to be translated back to English. doesn't matter if it's Latin, doesn't matter if it's German or, um, you know, Icelandic, like it all has to be translated back to English, um, okay. which is a unique opportunity for us as trademark practitioners, because oftentimes words have multiple meanings. And uh, we want to avoid, obviously, a likelihood of confusion with the previously registered trademark. So if you have something that translates back to English and you know that's going to be a problem from a registration perspective in English, a lot of times we'll look for a creative way to translate that word or that, that phrase to avoid uh. any confusion. So I like I like foreign words, you know, especially if they, you know, especially if they kind of mean something in English. But then we get the, the opportunity to kind of play with the translation to uh, avoid any potential issues. So, ooh, that's really cool. So yeah, it gives you some extra creativity. You can sort of find some synonyms or you know different translations. Ah, yep, exactly, cool. exactly. Okay. So lots of opportunities with, with foreign words. But again, like a lot of times, if you're using a foreign word as a you know English trademark, they're not very good trademarks because they don't suggest what the product or the service is. So, right. Okay, I, I, I kind of, to one question. So let's say you had a, a, you know, a foreign application yep. registered in, yep. I don't know, the UK. Okay. Well, yep. UK is English. Sorry. Bad example. Um, <laughs> Iceland. We did Icelandic. Okay. Icelandic. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, uh, and you've got a register there in that country. Um, you Maybe you're midway through and you're eligible to file in the U.S. with that mark. Any, uh, do you still have that creativity? Would you still have that wiggle room in terms of uh, translation? Yeah, you do, because when they filed it originally in Iceland, they didn't have to do a translation, obviously, right? So yeah. when you file it in the United States, whether 
or filing fresh application or taking it you know over from iceland to the united states through the madrid protocol which is its own separate thing uh, we get the opportunity then to make the translation in english and if we don't okay. do it the uspto will and so we'd rather have control of that that narrative when we file the application in the united states and on the patent side you know if you've already gotten your patent granted let's say in iceland in almost all cases you're not going to be eligible to file anywhere else unless you have already planted that seed with what's called a PCT or an international holding place for that priority date to flow back because it's already been published, right? So is there, a, are you limited in the same way on the trademark side or can you just file in a different yeah. country, even if it's years after the original good, country? Good question. So yeah, so it sounds like what you're talking about on the patent side is basically the equivalent of what we call the Madrid Protocol on the trademark side. Madrid Protocol is an international treaty the United States is part of it. It kind of harmonizes a lot of the trademark laws around the world. And the benefit of it is, like, say you had a registration or an application, rather, in Iceland. Within the first six months of application, we can take that application from Iceland and bring it to the United States. And you get the priority date or the first use date, rather, of the Icelandic application in the United States. So that's the benefit of measured protocol is that you're basically being able to take your priority date from the United States or another country and bring it around the world. That's um, awesome. So cool. it's, it's important. It's also a little bit easier, more cost effective to file Madrid protocol that way for clients. Yeah, no, that's great. Good stuff. All right. Well, we went a little deeper on that question, but that's, I'm glad we did. Let's take a uh, one patent question and then we'll jump to our bold bite here. Um, and let's see, this is a question out of Jasper, Alabama. First question, I think, out of Alabama, so it's good. Good representation. Okay, so this one is, can a company apply for a patent for my invention that they mass produce from my blueprint and sell it? Say I make a new invention or product, then I make a blueprint of it. I only want to sell copies of the blueprint on the internet. So I don't file for a patent on the invention. I only apply for copyright protection on the blueprint and then sell it for a while. Later, I decide I want to apply for a patent on the invention or product and sell it alongside the blueprint. But say a company already beat me to it. Is it possible they could patent the physical product made from my blueprint and then sell it? Would, it, would I be unable to apply for a patent, mass produced product mentioned in the sell? Okay, really cool, really cool question. This is like a test question, all right? Yeah, that's, wanna... that's a great question. So, okay, I think I'm, I'm gonna unpack it a little bit. So a couple things, I wanna talk about disclosure first. So if you have invented something and you publish it, meaning it sounds like you have a blueprint of it. So quite detailed explanation of what the invention is. If it goes on the internet, right, to anywhere where someone like you could find it, that's a publishment, right? A published document, publication. And so that is a, that will start a one year window. So I'll say that blueprint had been published on January 1st, 2022 by january 1st 2023 any publication information the invention itself that's been on the internet and available will be ineligible for filing right it's already it's part of the public domain so that one year rule is a absolute stickler and if it's been out there for that long or longer you're not going to be able to file a patent on it okay uh, but certainly you would have any you know rights that may be there with the artistic uh, copyright privileges and the common law uh, that applies there um so hopefully it's been less than a year and if it hasn't get hold of us click that link above let's help you get protected if it's been less than a year if another company and this is very challenging to prove okay let me knock my earpiece out 
so excited. If they had, if they ripped you off, if they took your blueprint, if you can show somehow that they derived the invention from you in your blueprint, again, that could be very challenging to try to prove, then they are not the inventor. You are. And so there is a proceeding at the PTAB, the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, to say, look, these folks that applied for this patent, they didn't invent it. They defrauded you, USPTO. I'm the real inventor, and I can prove that they derived this invention from my blueprint. This is the day they accessed it. Here's their IP address, right? All the different things you'd likely need to demonstrate. And you would own, you would take over. They would have to assign that application to you. Thank you very much, you know, big company for paying the bill for filing this. This is mine. So that's a very real possibility. Again, if you can truly show that. Um, there is the other possibility, right? Option three of they independently, apart from you, invented it also. Okay. This happens a lot, right? When innovation is in the air, people are inventing. They're about the same pace in terms of where technology is. And somewhere around the world, someone else is also thinking of the same innovation. And that's why it's so important, the way U.S. law is set up now, is to file your invention first, right? It doesn't actually matter who invented it first. It's who filed it, who took action and said, okay, government, I will tell you my entire invention if you promise to give me 20 years of protection. So we don't, the U.S. government doesn't want you, want you to delay. They don't want you to wait. They want you to tell everybody how you did what you did so that we all become smarter. So long story short, it's possible that this other company invented it independently, without driving it from you. And in that case, they have beat you to the filing of the patent. So they would get the rights even because you didn't take action, you didn't file. So hope that explains all the way through. Um, I can't speak directly to copyright protection on blueprints, but I think that's, uh, like I said, if you publish that and if it contains the majority of your invention, if it's been less than a year, you, couldn't, you could still file your own. Um, and then if you can show and demonstrate that they derived it from you, you can go after them. All right. Have we taken any live questions? You bet. Let's do it. Let's jump to our bold bite of our Shark Tank bite. Okay. So I've got this one ready. I'll share my screen. We'll jump to it. that brings all the conveniences of your kitchen to the great outdoors. Hi, Sharks. I'm Taylor. I'm Ron. My name is Kobe, and we're from Grand Junction, Colorado. And we are seeking $250,000 for 10% of our company that will revolutionize the outdoors forever. Have you ever unpacked your campsite and realized you forgot something important like salt, oil, or a spatula? Does your picnic cable look like this? <laughs> well, well, ours did. did. We were so sick of disorganized camping, it was frustrating. So we came up with this idea that there has to be a better way, which is why we created Tailgate and Go. Telgang Go is a portable modular outdoor kitchen and dry box that you can take anywhere. Camping, fishing, tailgating, any outdoor adventure. It starts in this simple box. Most of our attachments fit inside the box. The modular design enables you to put the attachments in any 10 locations around the box. 
This patented modular design enables 360 degrees of function and versatility. Oh, wow. Wow. It has everything you need from your kitchen at home, even sinks. <laughs> nice. Tailgate and Go is a one-of-a-kind product. There's nothing like it in the marketplace. But in order to be a success, we need your help to reach our full potential. So, Sharks, let's all think outside the box and start an outdoor revolution. <laughs> Good job, guys. Good job. Really, cool. really cool. How'd you come to invent this? We went camping. We're sitting there searching for a spatula for 30 minutes. We're arguing. So we finally just said, hey, let's go home and invent this. So we get home. And just all the ingenuity just came really between the three of us of what do you need a necessity in your kitchen? How long ago was this? One year. So this has only been on the market recently? Year and a half. Wow. How much does this go for retail? Well, there's three different models. The first model is the full-size model, and it costs about $1,500. Our second model is the Overlander, and it sells for around $1,400. Oh, and we have a brand new model, and it's about 1,000. How many have you sold? We have sold over 100 boxes. We've only gone to six trade shows. What does it cost you to make? So for our full-size model, $748 to manufacture. Our second model costs about $728 to manufacture. And our river box costs 500 to manufacture. And where do you make these? Everything we make is in Colorado right now. So two questions. Okay. One, what does it weigh? 75 pounds on the large box, 55 on the small box. Okay. And then we have new products coming where when they're in plastic, they're going to be much lighter. So what does it cost to ship that then? Uh, around 120, 150. Do you have any patents? We have two patents. They're both provisional utility patents on the railing here, how we can put everything in the, in the slots on aluminum and what's most important, rotomold plastic. Guys, these aren't cheap to build, particularly when you're starting and making mistakes and iterating. How much money have you invested? Have you raised any outside capital? No. So what we did, we took our savings. We got two, I got $250,000 invested in this entire process. We're real tight with the money. Okay. And one of the reasons we're here is because we don't want to make a mistake at the first of the product. Why is this business worth two and a half million dollars? You know, I have to ask that question. Yes, and yes I'm you do. Doing it in the nicest way. If I don't like the answer, then things get ugly. With the patents that we have, there's no other product like this. And I feel we have this window to take over the whole outdoor. I don't think I like that answer enough. All right. I didn't either. Let's jump to our... Mr. Is it Mr. Nice or Mr. Kind or whatever his name? What's his... Yeah, it was Mr. Not-So-Wonderful there. Oh, um, Mr. Not-So-Wonderful. Got it. All right. He's Mr. Wonderful. I, I got to jump in. I gotta, and this is such a, 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 what do you call it? A, you know, a stump speech for me. When you have a provisional, you don't have a patent. Okay. You cannot be saying that on one of the biggest stages on TV, a provisional is an application. And in fact, the most informal placeholder application there is. So they have just started their journey. They have not gotten through the second stage, which is the non-provisional formal, nor have they gone through the examination to see whether what they've come up with is actually unique and non-obvious. So I just got to say that there's no such thing as a provisional patent. That's just a provisional application. Very different from actually having gone through the whole process and getting it issued to where they actually have the rights to prevent anyone. Not saying they won't, but it's got to make that clear. And people do mess that up a lot. So Matt, where are some of your big takeaways? Yeah, I mean, 
interesting. I mean, it, it's it's cool. Uh, it's really expensive. It's right. very it's very heavy, right? I can't imagine. I mean, seventy five pounds. I mean, yeah. Even one guy or gal trying to lift that—that's a lot of weight. Yeah, I mean, um, two are fine. But like, I, the third one would be hard for me to carry. You know, trying yeah, to carry three I mean, of us. I'm, I'm joking. Like one alone. Yeah, that, that's heavy, right? I don't care yeah. who you are. That's that's a lot of weight. Absolutely. Um, and shipping really expensive, right? So, is this something that like you know you sell at like Ace Hardware stores or something like that, or or, or whatever? But surprisingly, they don't have uh, a trademark application. Not one that I can find at least. Right, even for TNG or Tailgate and Go. Um, so I mean, I'm not sure necessarily they could get a registration on it. Tailgate and go is fairly descriptive of what the product is, right? It's, um, right. It's like kind of like park and fly, right? It's like, (laughs) I know what that is. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily think they can register it. I think it's worth a shot. Definitely the acronym would be worth registering TNG. But uh, probably a yeah. wheeled version. I like it absolutely. Yeah, you bet. I, I, I like that. I mean, but dragging it through the sand. But no, hopefully not on the beach, right? This is a tailgate. You know, you're moving it back and forth. Hopefully on a hard surface. I like that. Look at that. If inventors popping up. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Yeah, that's, so no, that's my take on it. Just I don't. I don't know. I mean, it seems really expensive. Seems really heavy. And uh, yeah, the the branding. I'm not. I'm not convinced about. Right. I mean, and, and, and uh, you know, that question that he asked about the valuation, I, I got to be flattered that, you know, they're talking about patents. That's one of the, his, his main answer was, well, we got these patents. It's got to be worth a lot. Um, that's pretty cool. I mean, patents can help you, can give you that, that benefit. One of the things about utility patents, not everyone knows, is that it protects the functionality. And they did talk about those different modular approaches. That's awesome. And it, or sometime in the show, I'm not sure if we had a chance to show it, I think it was Lori that asked the question about, you know, different types of, of weight, how much it weighs. And there was a little bit of an insight into they're working on innovating and coming up with lighter weight materials. So that's all part of it. And it actually will help them that they're pending with their application because they can have other versions, new applications, lighter weight materials, and still have time to make that part of the patent claims that they have. So, um, Rebecca, do you? Rebecca's got a lot of questions. Rebecca, they may change materials to drop forty pounds. Are you part of the? Is she was she part of the uh, the team here? I, feel like I she's don't know. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, well maybe you're just creative. Got a lot of cool concepts, so they could drop it down to forty. Forty would be much more manageable, certainly, and uh, that's cool. Well, welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thanks for your participation. Um, any live questions or anything related to that, we'd be happy to tackle. Um, what I want to talk now, I guess, is the the uh, is the next change of our show, Matt. We have been doing this for I think over a year, and I've been doing the lives even before we brought you on. Um, okay, Rebecca is not part of the, the team, but uh, she's used to working in manufacturing. Awesome. Well, very very cool, Rebecca. If you, I would, if you don't mind putting your contact information, I'll share that with our, our live audience. And you've participated enough. We're happy to plug your your business if you don't mind. Share that with us. Um, okay, very good. We met at Darren Hardy. Okay, so um, we're changing times. We're changing our time of the show from 9 a.m. Pacific, and we're going to go to 1.30 Pacific. We're trying an afternoon session. So um, look for that announcement, the change up. We're going to change. The morning sometimes is too busy, hard for people to get hold of and watch. So we're trying to increase our number of live viewers. So look for that. I'll be updating our Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. 
And Matt, hopefully you can join me for that as well. <clears throat> Talk to yeah. side. So, okay. It's on the calendar next week. Very, very good. See you there. And absolutely. And we're looking for guests. You know, I'm, I, I love bringing clients on as well as, oh, here we go. Let, let's get in. Here's one of our uh, potential guests. Rebecca, we have, get, have Rebecca on our show. Um, she, she helps uh, people basically find homes. And she's with Team Reba at Remax in, in Seattle. Good to have you on our show, Rebecca. Um, you know, I will. Um, I'll announce it on Facebook. We'll we'll share it with our with our folks uh, internally and our and our clients. But I want to want to kind of carve the way for for what's coming up, and and think about who we could have on our show, and, and sort of highlight some different things. So anyone who with, with ideas, questions related to innovations, patents, copyright, trade secrets, you know what's what you're working through. Maybe as the market's shifting. Okay, I want to hear what you want to know so I can bring people on our show and bring that to you. All right, Matt, <clears throat> we'll see you next week at our new time. We'll be at the, uh, the first week of August. We'll let everyone go here. Thank you so much for joining. Again, share this with your pages, like us and check us on our social media. We'll be there. Have a good day, everybody. Go big, go bold. bold at boldip.com.